0: K-A-L-W.
1: It was one year ago this week that Bay Area officials ordered residents to shelter in place. From day one, we followed a number of Bay Area residents as they reflected on the ways the pandemic was changing their lives. People like restaurant owner Matt Schuster.
2: It is day one of shelter in place. Yesterday at one o'clock, the mayor made the announcement about restaurants closing and then it's just it's just decision time do you want to stay open to try to do to go do you want to shut down
1: we also followed Dakota a high school teacher in Pacifica navigating a year of online teaching
2: it
3: is day 16 um throughout this entire experience i've i've kind of known in the back of my mind that the chances of us returning to school were pretty slim.
1: Carmen, a San Francisco public defender, chronicled the way the pandemic changed the justice system.
3: Today
4: is day 43. So I work as a public defender. Word is that we are going to be communicating with clients through walkie-talkies so that we can maintain the six
0: feet social distancing.
1: And we got to know Lindsay, a new mother, concerned about how lockdown was affecting her infant daughter.
0: It's kind of sad because she's afraid of people. I'm gonna make a little memory book um, <laughs> or just her people book and I'm gonna put pictures of family and I'm gonna ask them for little videos of themselves so that she can look at these people just on my phone.
1: Today, we'll hear from them and others as they reflect on the last year and what lies ahead. It's a special installment of Day by Day Quarantine Diaries. This is episode 16, One Year Later.
5: Uh, Yeah, my name is Joshua Srodiak. I live in Sacramento, California. Today is day 365 of shelter in place. I'm no longer a shift manager at Whole Foods, and I stopped working at Whole Foods on January 10th. Uh, That was my last day. And yeah, I haven't been back in the store since. (laughs) You know, like once lockdown started, just getting the the kind of public praise for being a quote unquote essential worker, like who the hell thought the people that working at grocery stores were essential workers before 2020? Um, Like the company got shirts printed out for every employee saying hero. Like, we're all heroes. Um, and, you know, like, from the company's perspective, giving everybody those t-shirts, like, that's BS. Like, you're all just trying to, like, keep us happy enough that we're not going to be walking out, shutting these stores down. But, yeah, it was it was encouraging and heartening to get all that kind of public praise. Um, you know, people, like, bringing in masks, like, homemade masks for us at the store and, like, You know, like like this is all just in the first month or two, like people being really outgoing and being like, thank you for being here. Um, People saying that kind of stuff. It made me feel like what I was doing had value and meaning. Um, Like there was a purpose, like, you know, people need to eat. And then as it just kind of progressed, like, you know, that, that feeling can only last for so long. You know once part of my job was getting people to wear masks in a community that was not on board with wearing masks um after a couple instances of you know being called racial slurs and having people you know physically threaten me and you know kind of try to instigate me to to get into physical altercations with them um it, it was it, it turned kind of soul crushing for me. Dealing with that every day, like every day, somebody was going to be that person. It was exhausting every day. Um, you know, for the last six months that I worked there, at least.
6: So, hi, my name is Ariel Deandrea, and we are on day three sixty-five since Shelter in Place began. I have been thinking a lot about how it felt in the very beginning and just the total terror of um, uncertainty, wondering what it was actually gonna look like and how dangerous this all really was and seeing news it was happening in Italy and then New York, it seemed inevitable to lose a family member, was, you know, that that was coming, that there had to be sort of like a, a moment of just acceptance of the fact that there was gonna be loss. It was just maddening um, to constantly be trying to hide away from people. And uh, I mean, and that was like the saddest thing in the beginning was that feeling that people were all afraid of each other. You'd be, I remember in the first couple days people weren't sure how serious or they were nervous and we're in the grocery store and people were kind of laughing about it and sort of trying to figure out distance between each other. And then quickly it became this thing where it was like, is it okay to, it almost felt like it wasn't okay to look at someone, you know, that people were just trying to totally deny humanity around them. I'm an artist that's been working from home by myself for quite a long time. And I think that what I actually realized was that my lifestyle was probably a little unhealthy and a little more similar to shelter in place than other people's lives. And in hearing people talk about it and focus on it, I think I realized I had to switch up I know it sounds funny that socializing more, but it wasn't like that, but it was just like integrating more of a balance, yeah, with having people in my life and making sure that I'm like paying attention to isolation as being a danger to your mental
0: health. My daughter, she has five people that she sees regularly. So I made a little family picture book for her. We go through the pictures like every other night and we label all the family members um, and I think that it has helped for you know her grandparents because now you know she'll just be randomly asking about grandpa and stuff like that um, and before she was just terrified of him and then my in-laws who she was also terrified of she still doesn't want hugs or anything from them but uh at least she can be in the same room without crying. Going into parenthood, I definitely feel like I would have been a different parent had there not been a pandemic. You know, in my mind, I was going to be this, you know, calm parent that, you know, wasn't going to be super anxiety invoking but I don't know now it's like oh my god she touched the swing set come here let me wipe off your hands and like I just feel like a, a paranoid parent now like I was thinking oh my gosh I am a helicopter mom or whatever and I know that is not what I wanted to be but at the same time I you know don't want her exposed to this virus but Yeah, I finally relented and took her to the park and um, she's on the toddler swings. And if another parent comes and brings their toddler to put her in the swing right next to her, I'm like, oh, no, okay, gotta go right now, sorry. So I just, and then she cries and I'm that horrible parent that won't let her play because it's not safe. So yeah, Um, I would have been more easygoing, I think, had this not happened.
3: My name is Dakota Milwe. day 365. We are being asked to return to campus pretty soon. Uh, teachers will go back before students return. So I'll be Zooming from my classroom, uh, boy, in the next two weeks probably. Many students will opt to not come back at all, uh, which means that the remainder of the year will be some students in the classroom and some students Zooming in from home and I I just don't know what that looks like yet. I don't know how to do that well. And it's, it's been a very scary development uh, just cause I wanna make sure these kids continue to get a good education. And I'm a little bit afraid of rocking the boat now that we finally hit a stride with distance learning. And I, I can't help but just like focus on some of the very small logistical things that seem to hint towards a larger scale of unpreparedness. Like imagine students needing to use the restroom. From home, I've been teaching uh, kind of normally over the computer. But if I'm in person, I'll have to wear a mask. And now I'm gonna be having a mask with people in the room and trying to communicate through this mask to students online. Like there's just, we're just adding barriers, you know? Um, I, I fear that we're putting form before function. You know, professionally, I think, I've just certainly never worked harder in my life. And I fear that I'm going to continue working at this level for a very long time. And I, you know, outside of education, that seems to be affecting every industry, it feels like everyone's working harder than ever before. And I fear that there's gonna be a strange expectation that we just maintain this level of productivity well after things return to normal. And that, that frightens me a little bit.
7: So every other week, I go to school. So I just go there and I wait in line for the gates to open because they actually check to see if, like, have you been anywhere? Do does any of your family members have COVID-19? All that stuff. But we just have to all wear masks all the time. And then also we have to wipe down our desks. We're on Zoom because half of the kids are at their home and half of the kids are in person. And so it's just not easy to actually get to be friends and actually know each other that well because, like, you have to actually be able to, like, whisper to each other. You still have to stay six feet apart, so there's not... You'd have to share it to the whole class if you were going to say something. You just, like, sit there, and you don't really... You just pay attention, so I guess it's it's similar to zoom when you're on zoom except you're not home and you actually get to see feel what like middle school's like i think that's the only benefit
8: one of the things that, have, that has come out of this year for me is these huge surges of emotion that sort of i think have been repressed all year and so when i went to pick sophia up from school I was standing outside the gate and the principal sort of ambled along to the gate and I just remember looking at her and just I almost broke down I felt so grateful all this pent-up emotion from the year just spilled out I was just like thank you so much thank you so much Mrs. Lonhart and Mary for for doing this because I know the hellish time she must have had from all these demanding parents, you know, in the district
9: My name is Inga and it's day 365 My partner said to me as a joke, he's like, hey so what do you think if we just wear masks now forever, like for the rest of our lives, and I was like, no way man, like that's not going to happen and I'll be one year in and it's like so normal. And I honestly don't even imagine myself not wearing a bloody mask outside. Um, you know, it's it's kind of okay, it's kind of safe. Um, I don't know, I mean, of course, I don't want to wear it during the summer, but during the winter I get my face warm. I don't know, I'm trying to like be positive about it. What I really miss The most is maybe just random interactions with people on the street, for example. Just like even helping someone cross the street or giving them a lighter. I can't do that. If I give someone a lighter, now they have to keep the lighter. I don't want that lighter back. Someone gave me scissors actually the other day. I asked him. I had to cut something on my car and I asked him for something to cut with and he gave me his scissors and he's like, just keep it.
4: My name is Carmen Aguirre. I work at the San Francisco Public Defender's Office I feel like my hands are tied more than they would be otherwise, right? Like my interactions with potential clients are very limited. And for people accused of crimes, the attorney-client relationship is so important. I mean, they're trusting you with their life, you know? And so much of that trust is built in nonverbal ways. You know, you rely on the fact that your clients see you in the courtroom. Especially in this universe that we live in in 2020 in the United States, where there's so much like misunderstanding and so many like ways we have to cross into each other's culture and be seen and heard for who we are and not misunderstood for what we look like. I think they say 90% of communication is nonverbal. And then how much of that is really captured in a Zoom call? There's just a lot lost. And leaves a lot to be desired and the place where it gets lost as a public defender is in my relationship with my client and their ability to understand what's going on and that's hard that's hard to like help them and then try to like you know balance the safety issues and then try to keep them informed and try to keep them feeling calm you know that's like so much of it is they're just like anxiety i was on the phone with a client yesterday that was just I mean, crying, scared, you know, like just they're getting no information from sitting in the courtroom because they can't be sitting in the courtroom.
10: My name is Stephanie and this is date 365. When I think back on 365, I think on just the unknown, 365 days of just not knowing. (laughs) You don't know what the next day, the next week is gonna be like, the next month. The job I just had recently was my first full-time job since I had my son. And um, I thought I was handling it okay, but when I was no longer there and I was forced to be at home, I realized I was missing a lot. Like I'm so used to him being at school, being at a sport, be like I was always at work. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Like, I worked in the insurance department. So I was um like a case management nurse. And that was my first like really big adult job. Like even though they're all adult jobs, but I had like a 401k, I had health insurance, I had vision insurance. Who was I? I was an adult. Because I thought that's what we were supposed to do. Like, you're supposed to get a a 40-hour-a-week job. You're supposed to do this. You're supposed to be at work for eight hours. I thought that's just, that's what everybody does. Like, you adjust to it. But when I left it and I looked back, I was not happy. But during, during all this, spending so much time with your family and then seeing all these deaths happen around you, It puts it into a huge, like, you have this much time on this earth. Like, are we really put on here to just go to work, be a robot, get your money, spend your money, get taxed, die? (laughs) Like, it it just really put everything into perspective and what you feel is important. And I I hope it does change. I know eventually we're going to, he's going to go back to school. I'm going to go back to work he can't wait let's just add that i explained to him you know there are gonna be opening schools but i don't think i'm gonna send you i don't think i'm ready i think it's best that you wait till fourth grade and he's like all right all right but i can't wait to get to fourth
7: grade (laughs) i feel good because i get to be home with my mother and my family and uh I don't really have to use school restrooms because I hate them. It's annoying. I just really, really miss my friends. I really miss, like, my after-school friend, my after-school teacher. I'm really looking forward to just run around and play tag with friends. Because I I really have a lot of energy and I want to use it, like, wisely on friends and just tag. How about chores? Chores.
10: You don't have energy
4: for that, huh? <laughs>
7: I don't
2: think you see energy. I don't
11: think you need energy for chores. My name is Walter Peranto, and for the last year and before that, I was working at a soup kitchen here in San Francisco. I'm a fairly low-income person, and Facebook has realized this, and all of my advertisements are for medical studies and product reviews at this point. And um, several months ago, I started getting a lot of advertisements for um, COVID vaccines. And I joined a vaccine that was here at SF General. And um, I'm now the oddball in the city with the AstraZeneca vaccine, which isn't available in the US yet. Um, When I got it, there was a one third chance that it was a placebo and a two third chance that it was a vaccine. So, you know, I left the building being like, I either am vaccinated against COVID or I got some salt water (laughs) shot in my arm. (laughs) The way that the study is going is that um, when people um, are offered a real vaccine, they will unblind you. So I was unblinded about a month ago and found out that I actually did get the AstraZeneca vaccine, which I did not know for sure if I had it until about four weeks ago. To be honest, that hasn't changed my life yet. Well, actually it did. You know, the other day, the day that the CDC said that vaccinated people could hang out unmasked in small numbers, I actually went to a friend's house and we sat in her living room and did not wear masks and it felt very unsafe and I didn't didn't entirely feel comfortable, but it was also like exciting.
8: My name is Laurencia, I work as a nurse practitioner. I feel really bad for a lot of the patients who had to stay and remain in the facilities for a long period of time, Um, and the isolation, I really think it did a terrible number on them. It really, for some of them, they declined quite significantly um, from when they were at home. You know, they were used to seeing their family members all day long, taking care of them, and they're just not allowed to visit. And so they sort of declined in a very dramatic fashion that I don't think they would have if we didn't um, restrict visitors. And that was a definite um, unfortunate side effect of COVID. You know, you're you're trying to prevent, you're trying to protect people's physical health, but at a detriment of their mental health. And I I work in four buildings, and so eventually every single one of my buildings had an outbreak, like small, medium, large, um, at one point in time or another. And so you just sort of get used to it. This is like what it is to live in the time of COVID. I think it's gonna be around for a while and I don't think it's ever gonna go away. I mean, the only virus that we've successfully eradicated off of the face of this earth is smallpox. Every other virus we've sort of controlled or eliminated from regions, right? So COVID is not going away. That's why I was sort of why I'm trying to tell my friends, at least my the ones that have been sheltered at home, like, you have to wrap your mind around the fact that this is not going away. It, it, you eventually have to sort of reintroduce yourself to this new world slowly, gradually with safe activities, especially if they've been vaccinated already. Like, some of them are malaric, even though they've gotten the vaccinations are barely still quite reticent to do anything. I'm, I'm not saying, like, go out there and hit the clubs or anything, which, of course, are not open, but, like... Just slowly resuming activities, not just for, you know, bringing back society to a new norm, but also for their own mental and physical health, I think.
2: Hello, my name is Matt Schuster. I'm the executive chef and owner of Canela Bistro in the Castro in San Francisco. It's day number 365. Our business model a year ago was 90% of our of our revenue was in the dining room. People came to us, you know, especially in the last couple of years, you know, we were really developing some great catering clients and both of those channels just disappeared like immediately, you know, and then it was only to go. Our model now is like, you know, uh, a bunch of small channels. <laughs> so, you know, I see our dine-in folks as one channel. I see our to-go folks as one channel. I see our online store uh, as one channel. I see our folks who who are doing cooking classes and wine classes uh, as another channel. It really make, made you have to diversify, which that part was, although it is exhausting, that part was uh, and is... Um, stimulating. You know, I feel like we're going to make it. I've still been so stuck in my day-to-day uh, survival mode um, and day-to-day planning mode that that I don't know what's going to stick. I do know that that once we do settle down, I would like to take, I don't know, like a month off. <laughs> and like... And like uh, take a road trip, or like you know, and really allow my brain to to unswell and to uh, and to think about you know what you know what's next. Most of my peers in this industry, we didn't have a good balance before, and those of us who have you know been in this every day since the pandemic, that balance has gotten even worse because um, we're all operating on on smaller staff. So. Um, so we need to come out of that first to get back into that, into that normalizing stage. You know, you have your, you know, your kind of week or two of blowing your steam off and going back out to the bars. And I, I think once we kind of put the suitcase down from visiting our family and stuff like that, we're going to be like, okay what's next you know so so I just I just can't I can't mentally get there yet you know you know I can't mentally get there yet
1: That was Episode 16 from the KALW Podcast, Day by Day Quarantine Diaries, produced by Gabe Graben, Angela Johnston, and David Boyer. You heard the voices and opinions of Joshua Sorotiak, Ariel DeAndria, Lindsay Sherbarth, Dakota Milwe, Sophia Mitra, Sarah Lye Sterland, Inga Petrova, Carmen Aguirre, Stephanie and Julian Saravia, Walter Peronto, Lorenzia Wariastami, and Matt Schuster. Day by Day Quarantine Diaries is produced by KALW. Thanks for listening. I'm Hana Baba.